You're listening to Finn Too Deep. Tua back to throw. Blitz coming. They get to him. No, he takes off running. And he's he in. It. Touchdown Miami. With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Welcome everyone to the inaugural episode of Fin Too Deep. I'm your host Reason, and I'm joined by my co-host Neil Driscoll. You can follow both of us on Twitter. You can follow Neil Driscoll at Neil Driscoll. You can follow myself at the underscore real underscore Reason. Um, Neil, how's it going, buddy? You're about to about to we're only a mere few days away, about a week and a half from the season beginning. How are you feeling, bro? Feeling great, man. I look forward to kicking this off with you. And I know we all are, are football junkies, so we got a, a taste of some of the college slate this weekend. You know, no marquee matchups or anything like that, but we did get to see some, you know, prospects early on. And then we all know as big Dolphins fans that the week one showdown between Mac Jones and Tua uh, is just around the corner. So, you know, it's right now it's, I got those like Christmas Eve butterflies, you know, want to run down and see what gifts are under the tree. It's hard for the next couple interceptions for Xavier Howard and Byron Jones and Javon Holland are under the tree. That's what's under the tree right now. You know, I'm with you on that one, but yeah, no, I look forward to doing this. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of good dolphins content, a lot of good dolphins podcasts. And, you know, I think between you and I, we'll we'll have another enjoyable show for people to listen, maybe a little bit different flavor. You know, you don't go to Baskin Robbins and just see vanilla and chocolate chip. There's a lot there. So, you know, I look forward to doing this with you and, having a lot of fun. It seems like it's been a long time coming. Yes, sir. Um, so before we get into talking about, you know, specific dolphin stuff, um, you know, I guess a little bit of a dolphin topic. Were you shocked by the Cam Newton release setting up for Mac Jones to be QB one in week one against us? I, I was shocked for sure because, you know, I, it's not often that a guy goes through 85% of your training camp as the starter and then just gets kicked to the curb. Um, but you know what? I actually like the move by Bill Belichick because it erases any of that uncertainty, right? Like, you know, one of the things that we saw last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of always leering over to a shoulder, right, and caused more more conversation in the media probably than it was worth. But, you know, I, I think that what he's doing is saying, this is our guy. This is the guy we're rolling with. Um, you know, so I, I was definitely shocked. Um, when I saw it come through, at first I – you know, I wanted to make sure that it came from a verified and I wasn't getting, uh, you know, getting pranked on Twitter, which we've all fallen victim to before. But, yeah, I was definitely shocked. But, um, you know, as a Dolphins fan, week one, you know, I think it's a blessing in disguise, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think people realize really the disguises and what our defense is going to look pre-snap as opposed to post-snap Post-snap is really going to do to a young guy like Mac Jones, who's let's be honest, has been facing vanilla defenses and up until this point. So I think it's going to be a bigger learning. That's why I have confidence that we can win this game, stack the box, stop the run. You know, that's going to be the main key is stopping the run against them and force Mac Jones to beat you. And I think we can do enough to Mac Jones um, look-wise and disguise-wise that I think he's going to have fits. I think um, it's not going to be um, easy sledding for Mac Jones in week one. No, no, not at all. And, I, you know, he's, he's impressed me far beyond, uh, you know, my expectations so far. And it's just been, what, a couple preseason games. So let, let's not get that gold jacket out for him just yet. But, yeah. you know, I'll be honest. He was, out of all the first-round quarterbacks, he was the lowest on my board. Um, you know, I, I didn't see the athletic profile that I thought would be needed to translate. And, you know, he, he's a good decision maker, you know, pretty good pop gun arm. But with that all said, I mean, Brian Flores, you know, did, where we struggle is that mobile quarterback, you know, so, so facing a guy like Cam presents more challenges for our defense. Mm-hmm. Right now, the thought I have in my head is that video that's been kind of making its way around Twitter when 
Justin Herbert's under center and, you know, all the Dolphins defenders are running up to the line, backing off, running back to the line. It's like, it's like, you know, our defense, you know, it's tricky to figure out. And, you know, the only quarterbacks that really, really kill us, you know, like Josh Allen, for example, you know, he can hurt us with his arms and then he creates with his legs. You know, I I don't see Mac Jones being able to do that. So, um, you know, God, for if you're Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and that Dolphins secondary, you got to think that you have an opportunity to start the season, you know, with a pick. And if you're yeah. Xavier Howard and you had that offseason, you know, contract situation that got a lot of coverage, you know, what better way to say, hey, Dolphins, it's a good thing you paid me than getting two picks on, on the opening game of the season, starting with a division win. Yeah, you talk about the legs of Josh Allen compared to Mac Jones, like the overall improvisational skills that Josh Allen holds both mentally and with the capabilities of his athletic ability. um, You know, that's what gives his fits because when, you know, when the coverage is good downfield and the line starts collapsing in front of you, the pocket starts collapsing in front of you, getting outside of the pocket and making plays, it's going to hurt most teams. And it seems to happen to us quite often against Josh Allen. Um, But all right, let's get into, obviously this week was a big week for cuts. Um, They had to get down from the, from 80 man to 53 man roster, Um, you know, and with all those cuts, you know, um, Larnell Coleman was placed on injured reserve. Um, Josh Harvey Clemens, Gravon LeBlanc, Bernardrick McKinney, Adam Pankey, Matt Skur, and Cameron Tom were all released. Um, Javaris Davis, Jared Dokes, Tino Ellis, Shaquem Griffin, Nate Hawley, Kylan Johnson, Benito Jones, Patrick Laird, Jonathan Ledvetter, Kyle Oxley, Khalil McLean, Kirk Merritt, Calvin Munson, Chris Myrick, Malcolm Perry, um, Quares Nato, Tyshawn Render, Jordan Scarlett, Reed Sinnott, Jason Strowbridge, and Carl Tucker were all waived and and some of those guys didn't make it through waivers i.e malcolm perry was snatched up by the patriots chris myrick who you remember the dolphins kept protecting him last year in the covid season myrick almost every week he's now with the giants um and then some of these guys made it back to the practice squad um what were your thoughts? And thank God Kirk Merritt did because I would have lost it. Um, obviously, the shock release was Bernardrick McKinney. Um, he was brought in to really help um, fortify the run defense. You know, he, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, you know, they saw Landon come back and Landon laid those big couple of hits to, you know, depleted Salvin Ahmed on that second day back. But my thing is the thing that um, a guy like, um, a guy like Landon Roberts lacks compared to Bernard McKinney are those instincts and those read and recognition ability. I, I just don't think he has or possesses anywhere towards what Bernard can bring to the table. And from everything we were told, Bernard was having a fantastic camp. You look at the Bears game, he looked really good. Um, we'll start off with Bernard McKinney. Um, a lot of people were shocked. Are you still? Because between Bernardrick and Matt Skur, they only saved $3.7 million. Were you shocked that Bernardrick and Kinney was a casualty, especially after they shook him down and yeah. mopped off two years? Yeah, and the way you put it, it's just perfect. Um, you know, I, I've, I haven't disliked a lot of moves the Dolphins have made under the direction of the new regime with Chris Greer leading the charge at all. I think they've done a really good job. Sure. When you pass on James Prochet to take Blake Ferguson in the draft, it, it had me scratching my head. And but you know I, you can't get too upset about sixth and seventh round draft picks. Now Bernard McKinney, you know when we made that trade for Shaq Walson, I was really excited because even though he's a pretty limited run defender, I think that that was a major need on this team. And I like Alandon Roberts, but are we confident that he will be able to stay healthy? Um, you know, that I am not confident. And if Roberts goes down, you know, are we going to be pulling Calvin Munson up from the practice squad and nothing, squad yeah. and nothing against them? But like, I, I just, you know, honestly, like the one thing that worries me about the Dolphins defense, it's not the secondary at all. I actually really enjoy the defensive line. The, the pass rush is blossoming right bef- between our, you know, before our eyes. I, I get nervous about the run defense a little bit. I, you know, I, it makes me seem you know, a little uneasy. And when you trade probably your best run linebacker 
you know, that that, that has me shaking, uh, scratching my head a little bit here. So, no, I didn't like that move that much, especially considering the guy restructured his contract not long ago to stay on the team. Um, yeah. So it, it was very, very puzzling. Um, you know, I'll also say this, though. I, you know, ha- he hasn't been signed yet, so I don't know. Um, you know, I know that maybe the Washington football team might be into him a little bit, and I heard potentially the Jets, I think. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, but, but, you know, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, I mean – and I think Landon Roberts will do just fine, but like that depth scares the hell out of me. Uh, I think you know, all already. Well, look at the size of everyone on the interior too. Like Jerome Baker, you know, and it's not the ideal size for a Will in the three four because the Will's on the interior there, right? Um, you know what I mean? Um, but the way they use them in terms of the manufacturing pressure with them, the blitzes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, basically as that, that off-ball linebacker, um, they use him really well. But, he, he, you know, his size and his strength is why he doesn't play through traffic well, why he can't shed, shed and disengage blocks. You know what I mean? Um, so you look at this linebacking core, there's no real beef to it. Like, they're all... Pretty much a lot. Like I think Landon's what two forty. They're other than a Landon, they're all pretty much undersized. Yeah, that and that's exactly my concern. You know, it reminds me of some of those old, uh, you know, negatives about old Dolphins defenses that would be very good in the beginning of the season to start to wear down as the season, you know, kind of moved along. Um, you know, but let's let's see. Uh, Landon Roberts was, you know, a, a really good player for us when he was on the field last year. I mean, like, sure, he makes those hits that, that get you excited and the pops, um, you know. But yeah, I think that that that's probably the most surprising cut of the week for me was definitely Benardic McKinney. Um, I, I think that 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 is a head scratcher, and you know, I, it might have been for salary cap reasons as well. I know, I know they were trying to shave a good amount of money between their cuts, and like you mentioned. Him and Skura, while it only saved three point seven million dollars, you know, there wasn't a lot of money to be saved. Uh, I guess the, my my counter to that is why didn't they just release somebody like Clayton Fajetalum and keep McKinney on the squad, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like that. That's what that's what I would have done if I was, you know, in my Madden season. I mean, Fajetalum would have been cut and McKinney would have been. They shut down. They shook down Grant to basically an incentive. They took two years, his last two years off his contract, and they shook him down to basically an incentive-ridden $3 million potentially this year contract. Um, and he played ball. Yeah, so I, you could have – if Fedulum, if you wanted to use him as a special teams player mainly, you could have tried to shake him down a little bit. Uh, yeah, and who knows if he's going to be safe, right? Like, they're, they're, the Dolphins, you know, they, they hit the waiver wire. They see what gets out there. And, you know, I could see him being released in the next couple of days, you know, right before the season. Or, you know, I, I don't think, you know, some of those guys that fought on the, their way to the roster are necessarily safe at this point. Yeah, they released Perry today when they got, um, what was it, Elijah Mitchell, the DB? Yeah, from the, from the, from Jets? the Jets. Yep. Um, now, what did you think about Perry being snatched up by – I know the Patriots were really interested in him. They wanted to, to bring him in as a UDFA in that draft class. Um, they did a lot of homework on him. Um, what were your thoughts on like keeping, for example, five tight ends in Smythe, Gusecki, Shaheen, Long, and Seathan Carter instead of carrying that eighth receiver that could have been Kirk Merritt or even Malcolm Perry? Yeah, it, you know, you know, I think what might have happened is that when Adam Shaheen got hurt, it put some pressure on them to keep an, an additional tight end, right? Um, but you know, Seathan Carter's contract almost makes him impossible to get rid of at this point, right? It was one of those things. You know, I I, I truly believe that after the when they were in the third round of the draft and Hunter Long was on the board, they thought he was such a good player they had to take him, and I don't think they had entered the draft thinking the tight end was on the agenda, right? Because Smythe. Shaheen and obviously Gusecki were very productive uh, last season, as productive as we've ever seen from the tight end position in Miami. So I, I think that Hunter Long was just too good to pass up in the in round three, and now they find themselves in a you know in a conundrum here where they, they have you know, five players they like and they and they want to keep. But Malcolm Perry, like you know, I, I get it. 
and everyone is uh, still scorned about the Wes Welker trade we made uh, many moons ago. But not every you know former quarterback is going to go in and, and play slot at in New England and be the next Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. It just is you know they they've had they've missed also right. There was uh, what's his name Ryan uh, Switzer or whatever from uh, North Carolina was one guy there, and there was a few others and. You know, Malcolm Perry had a chance last year, right? Like when the season was on the line and Parker was hurt and Preston was hurt and we, you know, had Lynn Bowden running out there. Malcolm Perry was out there. Like he had a chance to prove that he would be a legitimate weapon. And look, he's a young player and you can't draw a conclusion yes or no either way. But when you look at the Dolphins and you look at their roster, cornerback and wide receiver, you know, they have they have a, an abundance there. Bro, I'm so happy Trill made the. If only Kirk made the team too. If Trill Williams and Kirk Merritt made the team together, I'd be so happy right now. I'd be elated. Yeah, and you know what? I think a lot of this shows us that when you look at the receiver position, I think it says the Dolphins really, really like Preston Williams, right? Like he didn't show much during training camp. He's been hurt. You know, he had that one fly route in the last preseason game, and you know, Kirk Merritt out. You know, I think he earned a roster spot by his play, but they, you know. There's no denying that when Preston was healthy out of any of the receivers out there last year, he might have had the best chemistry with Tua, right? So, Oh, agreed. So I, I think that, that that plays a lot into it, and luckily they were able to get him back on the practice squad. But, God, man, I, like that receiver position. And, and, and some people, you know, think it's overrated, I've heard. But, like, if you told me two years ago that we'd be entering this season – and Devontae Parker would be our third and potentially our fourth best receiver, depending on how you look at it. Because, you know, I know Waddle's a rookie, but I expect a lot more production out of him this year than I do Parker. And I know Will Fuller's Fuller sus- uh, suspended the first game, but those two guys are the best chance. Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller's awesome. our best chance at 1,000 yards. I don't think, I don't think we haven't had a rookie receiver get um, over 850 plus yards since Chris Chambers, Chambers. did it. Yeah, and he got 883 yards, I believe. Like, I'm not. I'm expecting them to use Jalen Waddle to open up a lot of one-on-one matchups for them. Other other mismatches um, with Parker or Preston or Fuller. <clears throat> That's what I'm. I'm expecting them to use him in a decoy manner, not just as much as uh, a consistent target manner as well. Because Albert Wilson is going to be taking some snaps away from someone here. I mean, you have the potential on the field if you go four receivers. You could keep Parker and Preston on the bench and spread out a defense with Jalen Waddle, Will Fuller, Jakeem Grant, and Albert Wilson. I mean, that is some unparalleled speed, you know, at, at the receiver position. And, it, you know, going to last year's story where we couldn't create separation, you know, like, you know, Jakeem Grant, sure, he, he his hands are inconsistent. And he has his times where you, like, all of us have been screaming at the TV, like, get this guy off our team, right? But, God, he can make plays, and he's an amazing returner. And, you know, you have to account for his speed. And, you know, I just think that, like, there's just so many weapons here that, you know, Tua's going to, you know, he's I, – I think it was Dan Orlowski who called him Chris Paul, and I love that. He's the facilitator. He is going to find rhythm. He's going to hit the open guy. I think everyone's going to have a pretty good season, but because we have so many weapons, the, the love's going to be spread. Mm-hmm. Now, while I say that, you know, if you have your fantasy football drafts coming up next in the next couple of days or weeks before the season, I would run and get Mike Gusecki because if anyone's going to benefit from this offense and the speed on the outside, Gusecki is going to eat in the slot. He is going to – he is I, – I, you know, Waller, Kelsey – George Kittle went healthy, you know, Mark Andrews from Baltimore sniffing around, but Gesecki is right there with him, right? You know, he, he, to me, he's that guy who's on the edge of being top five. And I think this season pushes him up into that echelon. And, you know, as a Dolphins fan, that's going to cost a lot of money to keep him here <laughs> after this season. So I don't even have him in my top 10. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think he's a good enough blocker and I don't think he's a very good route runner. Sure. Uh, um, that's why I think he lacks his separation and has to win so many contested balls because of he he lacks the nuanced route running ability. I've been like the eleven to twelve range. Um, so I like Mike Gusecki, but here's the question I pose to you: With let's talk about the slot, all right? 
Well, you got Albert Wilson and Jalen Waddle. Who's he taking slot snaps from? Well, let's let's where are we on the field? Because if we're in the red zone, I want Gasecki on the field. Yeah, but what 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 my point is, my long term point here is, for him to really be productive, he's gonna have to show he's a capable blocker and a willing blocker, because I think with if everyone stays healthy, for him to to produce like yardage, he's gonna have to be lining up in line. And when you go look at it, how much 12-man personnel we ran so far in the preseason we ran last year, he wasn't out there for a lot of the 12-man personnel. So, you know, Mike Kiseki, I think, and, and people got to remember, he was benefiting from the boundary in the slot so much last year because everyone was hurt. And well, have, have now ever- we've added Albert Wilson's back. Um, we've added um, Will Fuller. And we've added jail. We've added three legitimate speed and yak threats to this. Um, and, and here's another thing: Will Fuller, Albert Wilson, and Jalen Waddle. They might be the three best route runners on the team, next to Devonte Parker. And so that puts them even. They can separate. They naturally they can offer you more after the catch. Like this is where I'm going with this. Here is. I'm weary of Gesicki, and I have to see. This is that's the one thing I didn't like about not seeing the preseason with our receiving core healthy because I didn't see what Gesicki's usage was going to be. And Gesicki's usage so far has been very similar to what it was last year. Jakeem Grant was one of the top options. Sure. Through the preseason, you know what I mean. So, Mac Hollins was was the top option this this offseason, right? So um, I, I got to see where it's going because there's just a lot of talent in the room. And yes, he's going to get his seam shots. Yes, he'll get his shots in the slot. Hell, he'll even go on the boundary. But if those guys stay healthy, they won't be as – it won't the opportunities won't be as plentiful and as fruitful as they were last year. Yeah, and I think one of the things the Dolphins definitely did this preseason was they they played poker, right? They didn't want to show their best hands. I, I think they kept everything pretty close to the vest during this this preseason. You know, we didn't see the starting receivers out there much. You know, I don't know how healthy or not healthy they were. I, I think a lot of it was precautionary more so than them being injured. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And I and I agree with you. One thing, I, I don't think Mike Gusecki is ever going to be a good block and tight end. And uh, one of the great things about our quarterback is that he's really good at handling the rush and manipulating that pocket. And, you know, uh, like, you know, I, I think that's another reason maybe we have five tight ends on the roster, uh, you know, because, you know, people like Durham Smythe, right? Like he's a, a pendant free agent after this year, but he does a lot of that little dirty work, you know, that doesn't get enough credit, you know, and a player like that allows a player like Mike Gusecki to flourish in terms of offensive production. So it, it will be interesting to see how they make it all work. I mean, you know, when they, when they had free agency hit and we were all hoping they would get a big-name receiver and it kind of dragged on, and Will Fuller, uh, you know, he was out there. And, you know, when we saw him come through and I saw the deal, I was like, whoa, what? Like, am I reading something wrong? Because this guy's a big-time player. And then when the draft came and we added Jalen Waddle, I, I had this vision of something we haven't seen in Miami in a really, really, really long time. And, and that's just a dynamic offense, right? Like, we've – we haven't seen the likes of the weapons that we have surrounding our quarterback in a really long time. And, you know, I think we have five, like, you know, one guy we're not even talking about who had a brilliant training camp. And if you ask me, he might be the MVP of the training camp was Matt Collins. I mean, he, he looked awesome this off season and, you know, he gets a lot of credit for making that catch from Fitzy against the Raiders. But, you know, he's a great special teams player. Um, you know, he, 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 you know, he showed he can make plays when it matters, not just that Raiders catch the, the touchdown against Arizona when Tua, Tua threw it to him in the corner. I mean, like, Matt Collins is a player, man. I, that, that's why this receiving core, it's really interesting because there's going to be good players that don't get snapped. So, so let me pose a question your way, right? Devontae mm-hmm. Parker, right? And I'm a big fan of him. I've always liked Devontae. His injuries become very frustrating. I think it was two seasons ago at the deadline. I think it was the Texans that were dangling a third-round pick for him. And Miami declined. And so, you know, he finished the season strong. And I think he got himself his new deal. I mean, 
with operating kind of in the rule of abundance, you know, we have a loaded receiver core. We have some holes on the offensive line. You know, maybe even now we have holes at linebacker. Do you see the receiving core staying in place throughout the whole year? Or do you think one no. of these guys can be traded? Oh, I, I think that – I think injury is inevitable. Um, if we're talking trade, um, like, you know, I had already – basically report on my channel for inside the NFL and to my Patreons that we were dangling Jakeem Grant in um, scouring the market for a tackle. And then you saw yesterday when he restructured, they confirmed that we were exploring trade options. With sure. Him. I think the only guy right now they were probably willing to talk about is Devontae Parker. Yeah, I, and, and that's why I, I kind of singled him. And out. you got to see where you got to see where Preston Williams is at before you have that conversation, though. Yeah, and I and let's not like act like Devonte Parker some scrub. I mean, this guy, you know, he, two years ago was he maybe the best receiver in the AFC? I mean, like he he played that well. Uh, you know, if he could stay healthy, put the consistency together. You know, the injuries are frustrating, but like you know, we've all seen those moments. You know, when he's Mossed Eagles defensive backs and, you know, all that good stuff. And he tore up Stefan Gilmore. So, you know, when you think about what he brings to the table when healthy, I mean, the the whole dynamic of, of this receiving core is that you kind of check all the boxes. But, yeah, no, I, injury could happen. And, you know, one of the things that I, I hold my breath every time he touches the ball, just because I think he's such a good dynamic player, is Jalen Waddell. I, I think we all on that last or that preseason game against the Falcons, that was like some of the five longest minutes of my life. Just sitting there, you know, I was at the actual uh, movie theater with my son watching SummerSlam with a Dolphins game on my phone. And I was, I, I don't know if I could have had refreshed Twitter more in my life than I did in five minutes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just make it, making sure that he came back. And, you know, when I heard he was like running and cut on the sidelines, like, I was like up in this movie theater while my son was cheering on John Cena, like literally flipping out, <laughs> you know? That's so, hilarious. yeah. So it's going it, to, I mean, it's going to be a fun offense to see, you know, and, and obviously, you know, having those, those receivers that could get open and create separation and make things happen after the catch. I mean, that's perfect for Tua, right? Because if you think of the biggest weakness on this Miami Dolphins team heading into the season, you know, it, it's not a mystery. It's a young offensive line. That doesn't mean they're bad. They're young. They're trying to find the gel and like, you know, way to gel like Matt Skura getting released. I posted that on Twitter the day before that he wasn't a lock to make the roster because I rewatched those preseason games and he was awful. And they traded for, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Greg Mance is how you say Mance, it yeah. from Baltimore. And, you know, I, I think as soon as that trade was made, that that was like by Matt Skura, you didn't get the job done. Um, you know, Mike, Mike Dieter's been okay. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I got to see it over the season. You know, I think the most promising player on that offensive line right now is Robert Hunt um, at right guard. I think he's going he's gonna to solidify that. You know, the, the, I mean, when you put people under the gun, I mean, this is a huge, huge season for Austin Jackson. I mean, like, I know that he's only in year two, but he was a pleasant surprise last year to me, honestly, before he got hurt. Like, he can't be playing like he did against the Bears. I mean, you can't have your left tackle just getting destroyed by backups. You know, it's just, it can't happen. So we'll see. I mean, but this offense is going to be fun. They have a ton of weapons and, you know, we got the guy we all wanted at quarterback. So it's going to be a lot of fun to sit back and watch. Yeah. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see how everything pans out because, you know, we talked about injuries piling up in the receiving core last year was a year where we got safely away, knock on wood, without any real major injuries to hold us back defensively. So um, <clears throat> a lot of things, you know, have to go right in terms of for you to make the playoffs, for you to have a double-digit win season. And here's hoping that our defense can stay healthy and that receiving core can stay healthy because even with guys like, you know, I feel like Jesse Davis is a taking time bomb with, the, with, with that leg injury he has going on right now. Even with – Jesse Davis in the situation he's in and with Austin Jackson playing the way he is, if that interior holds up, the running game produces and our receivers stay healthy, there is no reason why Tua can't produce at a top 15 level 
and bring this offense minus the offensive line totality to a top 15 offense. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, and, and I think, you know, look, people will call me a homer, and you know what? I am. I love the Miami Dolphins. I've been a fan for 34 years. But I, my, my, my desire for the Dolphins to draft Tua was because I, I started watching the NFL draft religiously because – I went to a school here in Baltimore and Mel Kuyper went to the same school as me. And he came to our auditorium and talked about how he got into the NFL draft and ESPN and all this stuff. And I just started, you know, that was back in the 1997, right? So started to follow it, you know, watched it, didn't do any scouting. But then when I really started to dive in was my last year in college, the Dolphins had the second pick in the 2005 draft. And, you know, I wanted Sean Lights out Merriman because I went to Maryland and I thought he was going to be an awesome pass rusher. We took Ronnie Brown. But that's when I really started to dig into, like, evaluating and scouting players. And for my money, I would, since that time, 2005 to now, there's two quarterbacks that I have on the same exact grade, and that's Andrew Luck and that's Tua. That's how highly I thought of Tua. Sure, some of these injuries happened. Honestly, like – I'm actually impressed with what he did last season coming off that injury more than I'm discouraged. I know that sounds crazy, but none of us have had to rebuild our hip, right? And not have an NFL season and get thrown into the fire in an NFL with a very below average offensive line and, you know, a piss poor wide receiver core. Like I, I actually think going six and three as a starter if you take that Buffalo game out of the, uh, the equation when he was just forcing passes and kind of turning the ball over kind of recklessly, he was very efficient. You're, if you remember, he went, I think it was the longest streak for a starter without throwing an interception. So I think that what we're going to see this year is the ascension of Tua where we saw it with some quarterbacks recently. And the extreme of it is like a guy like Lamar Jackson. I was here in Baltimore when – the, the, the Ravens lost to the Chargers in the playoff game, and at halftime, Ravens fans were booing Lamar Jackson, calling for Joe Flacco to come into the game. The next year, the guy comes out wins the MVP, right? Because they built an offense and tailored it around his strengths. Mm. I'm not saying Tua is going to win the MVP this year, but I think he'll become closer to winning the MVP than he will be a bust. I, I think what we've seen in this preseason is what the guy was at Alabama, that elusive – you know, guy who can make plays, he feels the pressure, he can manipulate defenses with his eyes, the accuracy. And, you know, you know, one thing I get tired of is his the arm strength conversation because, you know, like, is Tom Brady throwing the ball like Pat Mahomes? No, You know, like, I, I think that Tua is on par to take that step and that probably, you know, we've had a lot of news about the Dolphins quarterback situation Way too much, right? And we none of us know how it's going to shake out. The only person that can answer is Tua with his play. If Tua goes out there and does what we all think he's going to do, the Deshaun Watson stuff will go away, right? Yeah. If he comes out there and he struggles, and then the, Jacoby Brissett has to come into a game and you know he looks like the game's too big for him here and there, the owner, the coach, all of them, in unison, at the end of the next season, we'll find a way to upgrade the position if he doesn't deliver. My money is that he'll deliver. I don't see how the Dolphins are on a playoff team this year, to be honest. I'd be shocked if they're not with the upgrades they made to the offense. And, you know, I, I think their defense has added serious talent. Um, and I think they're going to be – they might not have the big plays that they had last year, but I think they're going to be a little bit more stout up front and – the depth at cornerback, because right, like the dirty little secret coming out of Dolphins training camp is whenever you talk about the Dolphins defense, it's Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. I mean, Nick Needle looked pretty borderline like the best player on the defense. I agree with that. Yeah. And and that's where it's like, you know, you know, we're not even talking about guys like Justin Coleman, who's a very reliable football player, the versatility of a Javon Holland and a Jason McCourty. You know, Eric Rowe, I mean, this guy might be one of the most underrated players in the league for what he does. Sure, he had a bad game against Darren Waller. Darren Waller, spoilers, really, really good at football. 
I mean, this defense is going to be really, really, really good. You know, one thing I was thinking, you know, when we saw the release of Bernardrick McKinney, and I was kind of just thinking out loud is, do you think they might even let Van Ginkle get on the field on the inside a little bit? He's played on the inside. Yeah. And and that's where I'm thinking, like, I love Andrew Van Ginkle as a versatile football player. Um, God, there was a Steelers fan when he we drafted him in the fifth round that sent me a message on Twitter saying, like, you guys just drafted a future pro bowler. And I was like, what? This guy from Wisconsin who's got Goldilocks hair in the fifth round? And, and I had watched them play, you know, because, you know, the Wisconsin team had, a, had a, a hell of a linebacking core that year. But, God, like, maybe he gets kicked in a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really competitive Dolphins team. It's a big year for everyone, right? Because you've had Brian Flores, the, the darling coach for the last two years, coach of the year, you know, um, runner-up and all that good stuff. He, he's had a lot of that, you know, kind of bestowed upon him because, you know, the Dolphins have been winning. You know, can he get this team over the hump? We got to see it, right? Like, we all think he's the guy. We all hope he's the guy, right? But And maybe not, but we need to see the playoffs this year. All that work we've done in this rebuild, you know, because then when you if you don't do it, then it's going to be like, well, why the hell did you draft Noah <laughs> McNogany in the first yeah. round? You know, you're going to have all these things where you're getting double. You know, why did you go with – why did you trade Minka to get Austin Jackson? Like, all these things come out because it's so easy to play Monday morning quarterback. No team's perfect, right? Like, you know, again, I live in Baltimore, so I've seen the Ravens, who are one of the best franchises in the NFL, swing and miss at finding wide receivers in the draft for decades, <laughs> right? So – and, and they're one of, what would you say they're probably a top five franchise in, in the league, right? So at, at the end of the day, no one's perfect, but yeah, two has taken that step this year. I mean, yeah, I, I think he has to. I think he, no, we obviously he has to because we'll get into why in a bit here. But you know, my only issue with everyone putting the playoffs on his shoulder and that step on his shoulder is, man, like look at where our offensive line is at right now. Like, I I do not – I think we have a top 20 to 25 offensive line. I don't don't think we have a top 15 – like, let let me put it this way. God forbid injuries stack up. The offensive line doesn't hold up, but two shows enough where you're like, okay, if it wasn't for the inept offensive line. And there's multiple reasons why overdrafting guys, Austin Jackson, um, you know, the coaching carousel they've had on offensive line coach because Steve Marshall was Chan Gailey's guy and Lemil Jean-Pierre, he was, of course, um, Flores' guy who's now been promoted. And, you know, when you got two different coaches from two different coaching trees, they have different philosophies, different uh, teaching techniques, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you look at where that offensive line is at. I think the playoffs and the off and um, how deep this team goes is if the defense stays healthy, is on the offensive line. I, I mean, look, you know, the offensive line, you know, that that is the team's Achilles heel. Um, I, I think they're probably a bottom five to seven unit in football. If, if I'm being honest, well, I, while they have young players that present some upside, like, like it's concerning, right? Because I, I think it's one of the positions that the dolphins, you know, it was surprising when they drafted Austin Jackson and Robert hunt, uh, two, two drafts ago. Right. But they, they have invested some resources in it recently. Dieter was a third round pick. Kinley was a fourth round pick. Eichenberg was a second round pick. For some reason, they just—it's it, not their strong suit. Um, with that said, you know the offense is designed for Tua to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. He is a left-handed quarterback, right? So you, you at least want the right side to be a little bit more solidified than the left, which I think it is. Um, but sure, that—that that, you know, if the Dolphins go to a, to a big game and. They give up seven sacks and lose the game. Like, you know, they face a good defense that blitzes a lot and confuses our young offensive line. A team like I, I'm thinking of teams like the Steelers, the Ravens. Like, I, I could definitely see that happening. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I don't think that that's going to be a crutch for Tua. I, I don't. I think that they their their view, and I'm thinking about when I say they, I'm talking Stephen Ross most most relevantly. I think he views that the window is now. I think he's 81 years old. He's 
had the people that he's trusted run their process. And if it doesn't produce the results he wants, he's not getting any younger. He hasn't spent less money. Somebody's going to be the scapegoat for all of this. And, you know, unfortunately, I think it's a playoff bust or bust season for a lot of people on this roster. And, and I don't think Flores is on the hot seat at all. I know Jason Lacaforna posted that um, a while back. I, I think he's safer now, but unfortunately, somebody's heads would roll. And, and and I think it's because the roster, when you when you when you look around, like it's a strong roster. When I was like working on predicting my 53, I mean, I had a lot of trouble getting rid of people off the team. And like I remember doing the same exercise in 2005 when Trent Green was our quarterback and for whatever limited time that was. And like literally, I don't know if I could put 10 good players on paper. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it was it was a tough exercise. You know, you you asked me what if I said the three things that concern me, it's the inside linebacker position, it's the offensive line, and I'm starting to have a little bit more faith in the running back position. But like if if I had to pick a third thing, that's what it would be. You know, it would be the running back position. So other than that, I mean the team's pretty complete. I, I think our special teams is borderline, you know, in the top echelon of football right now. Uh, you know, I think with Sanders. You know, uh, Pilardi has been booting the ball. You know, he's been killing it. And then you have Grant and Waddle as retirement. I mean, that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, that's a lot of fun. The the receivers are fun. The, I, I like the quarterback, obviously. Um, I, I like the D-line. I like the secondary. So, I mean, they're a good team on paper. It's just got to go, go into kind of fruition on the field. Yep. And um, we can't have those same old dolphins where they win games they shouldn't but then they lose the games they should they they lose the games that they shouldn't as well right so yeah, we, we can't, need we can't have that them. like like the, the one thing that was coming to the AFC East when Tom Brady left was parody and that's come to the AFC East and that's come to the entire AFC where last year 10 wins wasn't even enough to get you a roster spot and they expanded to seven teams last year. So 11 is probably the now that we're at 17 games instead of 16 as well. You got to think 12 might even be the magic number. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be 11. Uh, I think it is, and you know the AFC is competitive, right? I mean, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore, they're, Cleveland looks Cleveland. really good. Yeah, yeah Cleveland, Cleveland looks really good. I mean, I know B- Pittsburgh has Ben, who's agent, but like their, their defense, their defense is serious. I mean, the Titans, they, the Titans. I mean, yeah, I, I think they win that division. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the Dolphins have their work cut out for them. And, and I think people are sleeping on the Colts. I think Wentz back with Reich. If if Wentz looks like the guy from when he played under Reich last, those Colts are going to be dangerous. Yeah, and I think that's the teams we're going to be fighting with, right, are, are probably the Colts, the Steelers. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm drawing any blanks. The Chargers potentially. Uh, God, I, I would I like Denver's defense. You think but... the Chargers take? See, I'm actually thinking um, Herbert might take a little bit of a step backwards with a defensive minded coach. They sat him all preseason. Um, it's a whole new playbook and coaching staff. Different things are going to be asked of him. I, I like. I know I drafted him in our fantasy draft, but I'm really <laughs> interested to see how this works out. Yeah, I'm not sure about the Chargers. That's why I was kind of like iffy about him. I, I, you know, Herbert obviously had a brilliant rookie season. We've all heard and talked about it that way too much. Um, I, I am interested to see Derwin James get back on the football field. We yeah. had an elite player like him to Bosa. You know, they have they have some good young players in the defense. Um, who they who they get at corner? They got um, Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. So they they added some he's good. Had talent. a really good camp. Yeah, he's had a good camp. I mean, they have Williams and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen at receiver. Lost Hunter Henry. Offensive line looks better. I, you know, we'll see what happens. I like they don't scare me, right? Like I, I think the Dolphins could beat them. They did last year, and I think they could again. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Dolphins will be fighting for that the six, seven seed for sure. I mean, that's that's where they're going to be, right? Um, you know, if they had a good offensive line, to be honest, then I'd probably be talking like they could fight for a division. But yeah. that, I mean, that that. that the good news is, and we'll we'll definitely get some draft on this podcast as we go down the road and we get into college football season. 
But the interior yeah. offensive line is fun. There, there, there's a couple guys that are on the radar for me already that, you know, I, I like to watch positions of needs for the Dolphins, the Iowa center, the A&M guard. Uh, you know, yeah, there, there are some guys out there that are just like, for me, like the Mike, you remember when we took Mike Pouncey and it was kind of a, it was a boring pick, but you were happy that we had a good center for, for probably the next decade. We need, yeah. we need one of those guys to stabilize this offensive line. Mm. I like the I like some of the tackles in this class too. Oh, so. absolutely! And, and look, Austin Jackson. If he don't get the job done, we 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 are going to be in the left tackle market, and it is deep. <laughs> and there's some good right tackles in this draft too. So, oh, absolutely! I, it, it's a great tackle draft. One of the one of the strongest positions I think in, in the draft is the offensive tackle. Actually, a lot of probably talent to be had from like picks twenty five to like forty two. Dude, I'm just hoping those. San Francisco 49ers bust out and we can get Evan Neal. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, Let's go. Well, it's funny because when you look at the mocks that are out there early, right? Like the 49ers are like pick 28 or 29. I'm like, I don't see it. Like I, I know that their defense and they were what in the Super Bowl a couple years back, but like I, I mean, I, I don't see them being like a 11, 12 win team. And, and you know, hey, I'm wrong more than I'm right, but I, I, I don't. <laughs> I think the Dolphins will be p- picking probably more to the middle of the round with that pick. Then yeah. the end, but we'll see what happens. Um, all right. So speaking of draft picks and our quarterback situation, the Deshaun Watson stuff came back again. And from what I've been led to believe, it was a matter of the Eagles backed out. The Eagles couldn't get protected picks. Um, the Eagles also, and this is just what I've been told, not just what I've read, but this is what I've been told. The Eagles couldn't get pick protection. Um, the Texans were not budging on their asking price, which is apparently like through the roof, the three firsts and the two seconds. That's rumored to be out there. Um, so they couldn't get pick protection. They couldn't get a um, direct answer from Roger Goodell in the NFL of, you know, even if he's found totally not guilty of everything, you know, he's probably going to serve at least a four to eight game suspension because of the distraction this has been. Um, let's be honest. I mean, remember when Ezekiel had the domestic dropped against him, he still had to serve some of that four game suspension. Right. So, you know, no one can get a direct answer. What's going on. I was told the Eagles backed off the Texans circled back around to, um, the dolphins, the dolphins had the highest offer on the table, but it was nowhere near what they were asking. This is what I was told all Monday morning. Then Monday afternoon from the same person, I was told um, that they spoke to a second person in the organization just as high as the first, so just as as much input as the first as I was told. And they were now told, don't worry, it's not happening. Um, You know, then next day, the Ross stuff comes out about Ross really wanting him. And then the, the Miami Dolphins send out clearly a memo to all the major beat writers to try and nip that in the butt. Then Flores goes ahead and in front of the whole team de- declares him um, as the quarterback one for the Miami Dolphins. And um, it's really just been a up and down, up and down, up and down week for um, the Miami Dolphins and the Deshaun Watson stuff. So, um, you know, uh, this isn't anything new to me. Like, you know, I reported before Adam Beasley broke it and before Safed Dean and all these people started writing about it. Um, I was writing about, you know, I was reporting about the interest um, back in June 25th had reemerged and just based on stuff that I was hearing, you know, um, at that time, Stephen Ross wouldn't sign off on it, but he originally did sign off on a potential trade before the allegations hit. And, you know, I was basically told that there are certain ongoings in the front office and coaching staff that they didn't believe Tua was it has it. And they believed Watson would expedite the process. And then literally about a week later, a bunch of the stuff that I reported came out in an Adam Beasley article and all uh, for PFN and all this kind of stuff. So no one should really be surprised that Ross is my whole point here is no one should be surprised that Ross uh, wants Watson or would be willing to 
sign off on Watson because from what my understanding is he already did it once before. So I, you know, I, I, I basically been told if the allegations did not hit Deshaun Watson would be Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I, I I mean here's the one thing that I learned back when I had to watch Zach Thomas play in a Cowboys uniform and Jason Taylor wear a Jets in Washington uniform. You can't fall in love with the name on the back of the jersey. You'll get your heart broken way too much. You know, you got to love the logo that's on the front. So what I what I mean when I say that, right, is that what happens when these kind of situations come out is that, you know, you look at Twitter, for example, and it's like, I told you so, You're everyone's fighting. You know, th- there's two things that I know for sure, right? I know that Deshaun Watson's number one p- choice is the Miami Dolphins. He wants to be a Miami Dolphin. That I know. And then also I know that the Dolphins have been interested in Deshaun Watson. And it, it's not a secret. So what I will say is it's actually the perfect storm brewing as a Miami Dolphin fan right now. Maybe not as a Tua fan, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I believe in Tua. And I think he's going to keep this job. And he's going to be the guy who's going to be here for the next five, ten years. But if he's not, right, nobody's paying the Texans price right now. He wants to go to Miami. The legal stuff's not sorted out, and they're willing to pay him $10 million to sit on the bench. So right now, the Dolphins are either going to have their franchise quarterback in Tua this year, or, spoiler, Deshaun Watson's going to be the Dolphins quarterback next year. And, you know, like, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an investigator. I don't know the legal stuff. If it's true, all the stuff that's out there, I'll have a hard time letting my son wear a Deshaun Watson jersey, right? Mm. But, you know, I have to let the legal process work out before I can draw any conclusions there. So I'm not qualified to, to talk about the legal stuff. What I will say is that if we are heading into our prediction show next week that we're doing, right, uh, I, if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, I'd probably be picking them to at least be in the AFC Championship game, if not the Super Bowl. And that's not a knock on Tua at all, right? Watson's been in the league longer. That's just the reality for me. So I love Tua as a player. He's my favorite college football player of all time. When the Dolphins drafted him, it was probably outside of any Dan Marino experiences that I've ever had, going to the CM and getting the Hall of Fame in 2005. It was probably one of the greatest days I've ever had as a Dolphins fan, right? Look, look, let's not kid ourselves. We haven't won a playoff game in 20 years, right? So, like – I think it's crazy for for fans, us as fans, to just pick one player and die on that hill because what does history show us, right? Michael Jordan was a Washington wizard. We're talking Michael Jordan, right? Ed Reed played for the Jets and Texans, right? Like, there's no loyalty. This is a business. It is not the days of... One player, you know, my, my favorite two athletes growing up were Cal Ripken and Dan Marino. One jersey, their whole squad. It's been amazing. You know, but, like, that doesn't happen now, right? Look, Tom Brady's winning Super Bowls in a Buccaneers uniform. So, uh, like, it, it's it, it's a tough lesson. And, and the good news is this. Damn, our fan base loves our quarterback. Our quarterback's a cool guy. He's a great football player. And I hope he, he silences the critics. I hope that – Tua is the one that puts the end to these rumors and ends the Dolphins' interest because he has an audition to do it this season, right? If this team goes in the playoffs, if this team if this team makes an upset, wins a playoff game, they're not trading for Deshaun Watson, right? They're going to use that draft capital to continue to build around Tua, right? That That's what they'll do. If it doesn't happen, they're going to trade that draft capital and they're going to get a legitimate top five quarterback in football and it will be interesting to see where, you know, I, I, I read, I, I must have read 20 messages on Twitter where people are like, if they make this move, I'm done as a Dolphins fan. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be done as a Dolphins fan as much as I like Tua. Like, you know, I, I'd still be a Dolphins fan. I, I mean, that's just me. Um, you know, and look, I think we're all pulling for Tua. The national media is kind of, you know, what people don't understand is when they bash him and they kind of question whether he's the guy. Their job is to sell you to watch them. If they're on TV, they're in sales, right? They're, they're selling you to be interested in their program. They deliver content that makes people want to be engaged and listen. 
and argue. That's what they do, right? It's like shock TV. And that's all those shows on ESPN and NFL Network and all that do that kind of stuff are. At the end of the day, the only guy who controls the fate of the Dolphins quarterback position for the future right now is that dude wearing number one that we all wanted to tank for. And that's what the biggest story of the season is for me. Because I think this doesn't go away. I I really don't, man. I I think this is here to stay unless we get to midway through the season and the Dolphins are sitting five and three and Tua, you know, is having a a stellar season. If that's not the case, if they go to like eight and nine or nine and eight and miss the playoffs, kind of what I alluded to earlier, these rumors are going to come right back. And, you know, unless Watson changes his mind and, you know, waves his no trade calls, because that that's why this is the perfect storm. Coming out of this mess in two years, right? Like whenever that is, the Dolphins are going to have a franchise quarterback. And that's what we all want, right? Isn't that what we've all wanted since Dan Marino and the Gus Farratts and the Damon Hewards and the Jay Feelers, Cleo Lemons, everything we've seen. We've wanted that franchise guy. And, you know, like I'm encouraged because you know, you read you read a lot of the beat writers out there, right? Like, and and Omar Kelly gets criticism because he has a different delivery than a lot of people out there. But you know, Omar knows football; he watches it, and you know, he ha- he has some fun, I think, with people on Twitter. But you know, he he's really pretty fair. Where you know, he doesn't give to a game ball after every practice he has, right? Mm. But but he's been saying all along that like he has it. He's he's where Tannehill was in year four. That's one of the quotes I heard him yeah, say. Yeah. And like we gave Tannehill. And then he said, and and a pocket presence and accuracy Tannehill never displayed. Yeah, and, and we gave him how many years? How many years did we give Jay Fiedler? Like so so I think we're in the perfect storm when I say that because I think the Dolphins quarterback situation right now is in better hands than it's been in a long, long time. Like Ryan Tannehill got really good when he left the Dolphins. He showed promise in Miami. Never delivered on the big stage, the big games when we. So, so I've also been told players, and I've actually been given a number six specific players on the Dolphins roster want Watson, and the whole thing that I've been able to piece together here is the reason why Flores and Greer and Ross were ready to trade for Watson was because look at how this team is built the heart and soul of the um how do i say it the heart and soul of the identity of this team the identity is the defense the heart and soul that identity is the secondary these guys are closing in on 30 it's they're rushing and trying to expedite the process because they believe they have a legitimate 2 to 3 year window with this defense right now I, I I can see that I, I can see that I mean I, I like we we're talking about sagas that might not end I mean the Xavier Howard situation we might be back to where we started this all season again next season right it, yeah. who knows they might they might actually pull the trigger but like there's them. another thing I talked about earlier about the health wise right do you realize if he does it this year that'll be the first time in his career he's put back to back healthy seasons on the table Yep. Yep, no, I I think there's a lot to consider here. And, you know, the Dolphins have drafted a lot better recently, but they need guys like Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips to be stars. They need to draft stars again, right? Like, I, I, when's the last bona fide superstar they had they drafted? You know, I, I think about it. I, I, it's, it's Xavier Howard, obviously, but, you know, outside of that, like, you know, they, they didn't draft well, a guy. Like, can be that. Tua yeah, can be that. I, I think Tua can be that for sure. But, like, Cameron Wake was – you know, through the CFL route, like, yeah. you know, you might be talking back to Austin Jackson. I, I don't care what anyone says. I do not think Austin Jackson will be a star in this league. Uh, I don't. And that's where, you know, like is that draft, right? That, that draft. I also do had. not think Noah will be a star in this league and I like him. I think he'll be a solid starter, but I do not think Christian Wilkins will be a star in this league either. Yeah. It's funny that the last two comments you just brought, brought up two interesting points that I, I'll, I'll share real quick. Noah, I'm concerned about. I, I know he has raw tools be. and he's young, but he's think same. about it this way. Think about it. This is the best way for casual fans who listen, or even hardcore fans to listen. This is the best way to put it. Nick Needham was an undrafted free agent. 
Nick Needham last year in year two got moved to the slot, and look how well he responded after year one as a UDFA where he had the responsibility of being corner one. Look at where he's at in year three. I can already tell you heading into year two, Noe Monogany will be nowhere near the Nick Needham we are seeing right now heading into year three. He, he I'm telling you right now. He doesn't find the football, man. And, and that's what I, – I love his athletic profile. I love his aggressive nature. I love how he approaches the game, how he's worked hard this offseason. But he just doesn't locate the football. And- Instincts. We go back to what we talked about McKinney and Roberts. This is what separates Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Nick Needham from a guy like Noig Monogany. Noig Monogany, I've heard, is a film junkie working his tail off, but it's not translating to the field. It's the same reason he got moved from wide receiver to corner. He doesn't have ball skills and instincts. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm legitimately concerned at this point because I think he's only made the roster because he was a first-round pick. I I, I don't think that he played – I mean, you look at the cornerback depth chart, and he is the worst corner on our roster right now. Look, he can turn it around. I'm all about it. I'm not letting the young guy get his opportunity. He's not going to probably see the field as much as, you know, he wants to. We'll see what happens. But I I do think there's an underappreciation for Christian Wilkins, like, I, I read on, on on Twitter things like Zach Siler is better than him and a lot of these things. And Zach Siler is a great story, but just because Christian Wilkins isn't a double-digit sack guy, I mean, I, you know, he's playing pretty good football. Yeah, but he's solid. But he's solid. He'll never be a star. Like, Yeah, I mean, he's a good he, leader. Good, he, he's I, just solid. That's all he is, and he gives, brings good energy to the room too. But, like, you know, he helps, and he does a lot of good things. I mean, look at – how you know our run game run defense was trending up at the end of the season last year, and it all really started when he came back from his injury. Yeah, and, and I think he's a good player. Uh, you know, is he a guy who gets his second contract in Miami? I don't know about that. Like, I I don't worry about like those things until they come up. But like, I just I just noticed like a lot of people like you know like let, let can we put this in perspective? Like Ed Oliver, right? I think he was picked just a few slots ahead, and you know he had a bigger name than Wilkins coming out. I mean, Ed Oliver hasn't torn up the world in Buffalo by any means, right? Quinn and Williams, it, you know, there was a time where Jets fans were talking about trading him for a second-round pick. Now, he came on at the end of the season and started to look like that top-five pick player. But, you know, like, the, the thing about football is the other guys try too, right? Like, it, you know, every, I think everyone plays Madden on rookie and thinks that, like, you can get 20 sacks in a game, and that's, like, the norm. Like, Christian Wilkins is a good football player. He's a good leader. You know, I, I I take a roster with guys like Christian Wilkins on my team all day long. I I, I don't understand a lot of that. And, and, you know, with him, Siler, Davis, Butler on that defensive line, I mean, that's a lot better than we had last year. And, and John Jenkins is underrated. You know, he's and a good – And Agba, there we go. God, And that's – you know, one thing we'll say for another day is the Dolphins have a lot of money to spend next year in, in – uh, free agency, yeah, yeah. but they have a lot of their own they have to take care of too. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I would I would have tied Ogba up to see this off season. Yeah, he he's looking. He's starting to look like he's that, a that step guy gets, above. I predicted him last year, um, and we'll do our predictions next week. But I predicted him last year to have uh, double digit sacks. He finished with what nine and a half. Yep. This year he could literally finish with fourteen, and we'll probably be paying a million per sack. Yeah, I think I think that's what it's probably going to cost. What thirteen, fifteen million a year, right? Uh, yeah. I think that's the asking price. So and he's no. such a, he's the, the I would have locked him up right away because he's the ideal rusher and ideal end in this in this defense. Like yeah, I, his, his his rare blend of athleticism and power and his ability to convert speed to power, power to speed. Like he's 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 special, man. Yeah, he, he he's a good player. He, he I think what they did is they got him and Shaq Lawson. They said let the best man win. Ogbo was better. They kept him, and then they sent Shaq Lawson for a guy we all thought was going to be the starting linebacker. And then they renegotiated his contract and then cut him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Shaq Lawson got traded on the same day to the Jets. <laughs> yeah. So we so been wild, man. Um, it, it's been wild. I hey, you know we're we're there, man. We're we're at the ten yard line. We're, we're we got to get this touchdown in. Got to go a couple more days. Opening uh, footballs just around the corner, the week one showdown. I mean, that's I, I know next week that we're going to dive deep into that with matchups. But you know, just some good news out of the front. Stefan Gilmore won't be playing. Just like, God, I saw that. I was like, and Mac Jones will be. 
Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm, I'm going to save all my predictions and everything. But you know, yeah, it's going to be a fun season. A lot to cover. You know, you know, we'll be doing this every week, jumping on, previewing the next game, reviewing the next game. You know, giving out game balls, picking our ham and eggers and jabronis and all that good stuff. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. So, um, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, enjoy it. Like, let's. Let, I, I know that it's funny. You know, I've seen Pat McAfee has cho- challenged Dolphins Twitter to a war right before we did our fantasy football draft earlier, right? And it's good to see the Dolphin community come together. You know, it, it's good to see people on uh, on Twitter like Big E and you know the guys that keep everyone and you know. Some people like me, you know, we sometimes get a little out of control in there, but it's going to be a fun season. Like, don't let the highs be too high and don't let the lows be too low. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We could use every cliche in the book, but the Dolphins are, are a much better team than they were last year. Um, you know, we all want the playoffs. We all want Tua to succeed. You know, now it's time to see that come to fruition right before our eyes. All right, man. So, yeah, we'll be back every week. We'll be doing this for you guys. Like Neil said, we'll be previewing and reviewing um, games. And as news comes in, we'll obviously be talking about it right here. But I want to thank everyone for um, joining us for the inaugural episode of Fin Too Deep. I hope everyone stays happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And we'll see you guys next week. And it's Fins Up all day, every day.